The Chicago Bears lose the first half of the Kansas City-Chicago game, but they did win the second half. Jokes aside, they take a beating in Kansas City, and Nick and I are right here to break it down on this episode of Bear With Us. What's going on, everybody? I am Robert Schmitz, the editor-in-chief of DeBear's blog, here with Nick Whalen of Football Guys, breaking down the Bears' latest sound thumping at the hands of Patrick Mahomes' Kansas City Chiefs as the Chiefs, unfortunately, got right against the Chicago Bears. Nick, honestly, my head is spinning a little bit. Like, I got three, three to five different jokes I can make as I try to laugh through the pain. Take us through your notes, because I loved you talking about this pre-show. What did you have written down across the board for Chicago? Yeah, so this is kind of the order. And again, most of the time I take notes throughout the game of like things that I see. And I kind of want to do it differently this time. I wanted to have like a big scope, but I waited a little bit too late. And so this is basically the topics that I have. Starts off with, and this is topic one, which is bad that this is happening like in the middle of the game, but topic one was NFL head coaching prospects, and that's for the Bears for next year. And then it's which Chicago Bears like tried or cared later in the game. And then some offensive issues that I had. But like, that's the order of it. It wasn't like, hey, we're close. And then like, "Mm, unfortunately, this happened. And then this, it's just like, we need a new head coach. And Nick, I'm frustrated. Because as a first of all, as a content creator and an all 22 nut, all I was waiting for this season was a competitive, let's call it normal football team where we could talk about strategy. We could talk about, oh, wasn't it cool when Getsy did this to adjust? Oh, maybe this will work next time if instead we do this. And instead, the Bears are just getting blanket blown out by nearly every team they take on. We get a little bit of intrigue against Tampa Bay, but the bottom fell out for the middle portion of that game. And it's barely the uh, like the Bears doing that Tampa simply got in their own way and couldn't score. I, I get it. There's some hat to the defense to be done. But when your team is, let's call it what it is, Nick, routinely quitting. This is now yeah. against the simple question, are the Bears going to make the fourth quarter matter? The Bears are one and three. Well, they're one and two, technically. They're one out of three. But it, this is this is rough company to be in. You want to see what it looks like for a team to be bad, but they're trying? Take a look at what Carolina did. Not just today, but so far through the rest of the season. Or, if you want to, you can look at Houston, who's missing four, ba- uh, who had four backup offensive linemen today. They're playing a rookie quarterback, and their wide receiver one is Nico Collins. And remind, remind me, what did they do today? What did they do today, Nick? <laughs> They beat the Jacksonville Jaguars, a a perfectly requisite NFL team. Or you could look at Arizona, who traded for a quarterback two weeks before the season in what I think is one of the more blatant tanking moves that a front office could make. And then they fixed up an offense that he could learn so quickly that now they just beat the Cowboys after the Cowboys delivered two also unbelievable thumpings to the Giants and I can't remember. Was it the Commanders? Uh, uh, Jets. The Jets. You're absolutely right. And so I just look at this Bears organization and I mean, I feel hyperbolic. I like to be moderate, Nick. I like to be in the middle. But right now it feels like there's 31 NFL organizations and then there's Chicago. And there's too many organizations that did things like what Green Bay did today. And yes, They caught a break. Derek Carr got hurt, and the game turned on its head. But a gaggle of rookies, Jordan Love, and the Packers without their five best players. It's not even a joke. 
<laughs> like Aaron Jones, Jair Alexander, David Bakhtiari, Elton Jenkins, and then somebody else missed a game too. Uh, it's like, it's ridiculous. They won an NFL game, whereas the Bears couldn't even get to halftime with things staying competitive. I just wanted to say that because I know there's so many people out there justifiably saying, why does everybody in the Bears media act like the sky is falling after just three weeks? It's because, I mean, look at Wednesday, right, Nick? <laughs> like, we're, we, we've now seen multiple coaches and players throw each other under the bus in the mm. same season that the DC resigns for what could have very well been inappropriate activity. God knows what that means, and I'm right. not going to ask. Like, this is, Nick, a season that if you had asked me before the season, like, hey, what's the good band? What's the bad band? The bad band that I would have told you then is so much better than this. The bottom feels out. Am I crazy? No, and and we knew this because, like, last year, we could see all the dead cap money and all the cuts and trading away Khalil Mack and Roquan and Robert Quinn. Like, you could see, okay, we're tearing this down, but, like, they tried to build it up and it's worse. Like I don't, and, and the only reason that you can think about this, cause like they added, there's more talent on the roster today than there was at any point last year, honestly. Easily. And it all points to one thing. When things go bad, it's leadership period. Like there's no other thing. Like I, I, I've been in, um, man, I can't even tell you how many different football teams that I've been on or coached with. I've been with really good head coaches. I've been with bad head coaches and you can tell a difference because it's accountability, it's leadership. And it's not when things are going good or things are going well. It's when things are going bad. You all look to one and they're not dramatic. They are calm. They have answers. They have solutions. They, they, they're not making things bigger. They're trying to reduce things. And like we talked about this on the last episode, when Eberflus had the chance to talk about Williams and all this stuff, he was very just cut and dry, like try to almost like avoid and polls had to address it all, which I thought was a little bit more of a leadership from him. And then you're like, okay, well, let's see what this looks like. Okay. First off, the Kansas City Chiefs are the best team in the NFL, right? I mean, they have been, they're arguably one of the best, whatever, like Chicago was going to lose, but there was no resiliency in this entire game. And it's, and, and I, the, the one kind of, I don't know, quote that I think about with this game or season, as you referenced a couple different halves that were bad, Robert, is like, you, it's easy to be a friend to somebody when things are great. Like, oh, right. hey, man, you just like won the lottery or things are great. Like, yeah, let's go party or let's go have fun or, you know, let's do whatever. And then when things are bad, someone loses their job or someone passes away or there's cancer, like something bad happens. That's tough to be a good friend. Like that's when that's when you actually need to be a good friend. But then I'm sure people will know this. Like there's times when those people, they just like they fade away all of a sudden they're not around anymore and you're like hey or oh i'm busy i'm busy now when, when the fun times i wasn't busy i was ready hey let's go do some stuff and now they're busy like when when chicago had adversity in this game i mean herbert's fumble was really bad really bad. and then fields had the pick like like dj moore had to drop like when we had some of that adversity it's tough to 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 name that many bears players that i saw continually trying because you could see the long gains the lack of tackling the lack of effort um and that and that's troubling because it's your job you need to put effort in and care yep and i mean 
I'll tell you, Nick, that from the outside looking in, because I've not been a part of near as many football locker rooms, I stopped playing organized football in seventh grade, right? <laughs> but it reads like I, I was in athlete locker rooms until I was in high school, which doesn't make me an expert. It just means that anybody out there that's ever played a sport, I'm sure you guys are going to understand what I'm talking about. These bears, Nick, look to me. Like, I'm looking at you, Tremaine Edmonds. I'm looking at you, DJ Moore. I'm looking at you, TJ Edwards, even. These guys look like they thought this would happen. Like, their body language doesn't look mad or frustrated. It looks resigned. As if they walked in the room and said, are you kidding me? When when Matt Eberflus started to roll out the game plan, this doesn't mean their name isn't on the assignment that got turned in, if that makes sense. Like, yeah. they still have to get graded based on the performance we're seeing and quitting is still not going to be cool. I'm not giving them a pass, but you almost get the impression that when this team, because so far we can see it when Justin Fields throws quote unquote, that interception, the one where he forces something into the middle sector of the field, the game is pretty much over. Like there is, there is no climbing back into it. And sometimes it's a scoreline difference, but I mean, look at what the giants did last week. Like, they came back from down 28 points. The Bears act as if a three-score differential is a death sentence, even before halftime, in many cases. And to your point, we could say whatever we want to about Luke Getze. We could say whatever we want to about Justin Fields. We could say whatever we want to about Matt Eberflus and the defense. It's actually Matt Eberflus, the CEO head coach, I think I have a bigger problem with right now. Because just just to call it out, Matt Nagy had an infinitely, infinitely crappier offense than what Luke Getze is putting together with Justin Fields. And I mean that sincerely. Like, mm-hmm. the the death throws of the Nagy offense were really pitiful stuff. But you have to tip your hat to Matt Nagy, the CEO head coach, because the team didn't just give up and quit. Like, mm-hmm. they still put together NFL competitive games that good teams would eventually pull away from. Watching this... In week three, in week three, Nick, is embarrassing. And what's even yeah. worse is that we saw it in week one, and it's no different now. You know what I mean? It, it reminds me of uh, this story, and I don't know if you you know this one, but I know you're down there in Texas, Robert. So Michael Irvin, he started his career in Dallas, and they were bad. They were one of the worst teams in the NFL, and he would be upset because he wants to win. That's what he's used to. He was at, you know, the U and they were losing and he'd be upset or crying in the locker room. And some of the guys would come over like, Hey, Hey Rook, it's okay, man. You know, you still get a paycheck. Like, you know, things are good. And when his boy, Jimmy Johnson got the head job, he was pumped. And then, you know, Jimmy comes to him. He's like, Hey, which of these guys cares or wants to win? He's like, Oh, okay. Not that one. Not that one. Not that one. And my, that's because Michael Irvin wants to win. He wants to point that out. And so here's a question I have to you, Robert. And again, Chicago was going to lose this game likely no matter what happened, but there was a point in this game when Jalen Johnson was out. Tyreek Stevenson was out. Jaquan Briscoe was in and out. Um, Josh Blackwell left. And we, we had this like, and then Tremaine Edmonds left at some point. Were they injured or did they quit? I mean, I definitely think. I definitely think the Q word has to get brought up. And another thing, if you don't mind me pivoting this a little bit, Nick, the fact that it's the Chiefs is actually a spoonful of sugar 
that's making some tough, tough medicine go down. I love the Chiefs. I think that the I think Patrick Mahomes is electric. Sometimes I think that there are all these people that they try to look for the next Patrick Mahomes and they go, is Josh Allen better than Patrick Mahomes? Is Justin Herbert better than Patrick Mahomes? Not nah, for me. It's always been Pat. So you yeah. should be looking at the number one Chiefs fan. This Chiefs team had not cleared 30 yet, and they cleared 40 <laughs> very quickly with the, the, Chicago. The, bear, the, Bears, the Bears and Chiefs scored the same amount of points this season through two games. I'm, I, I believe you. I don't even have to look it up because the Chiefs went, they, they scored 20 in the first game. They scored 17 in their second game. Their wide receivers have been double agents, scoring as, almost as many points for other teams as they do for their team. And we made sure they looked like the Super Bowl <laughs> champion Kansas City Chiefs. Again, I'm not saying that the talent on this Chiefs team isn't awesome. And Chris Jones, Travis Kelsey, Patrick Mahomes made themselves known very, very early in this game. Massive hat tip to the entire organization. But when you're the team that other teams are using as a get-right platform, it does not speak well to the no. talent on your team. <clears throat> and I'll tell you what, Nick, pivoting a little bit, because we've now talked about Matt Eberflus, the leader. Now let's talk about Matt Eberflus, the defensive coach. Apparently, oh, yeah. yeah, let's do it. Apparently, all it took was one look at what the Bears did on their first drive, and we could just pivot directly to wide open diga or wide open receivers that have never gotten that much separation thus far this 2023 season for the entire rest of the game. I don't know what he attempted to switch to afterwards, but it was over the second Patrick Mahomes mm -hmm. scored that first touchdown. Not well, literally, I mean, but man. If you're a DC, Robert, who's the one guy you want to stop? Uh, on this team, Travis yep. Kelsey. I would have told you Patrick Mahomes, but that's yeah, yeah. that's but like I the mean, whole you, offense. That doesn't count. Yeah, yeah. So, and who's the one guy that got, oh, I don't know, let's check here, eight targets, and that, he, he didn't play a lot in the second half. Oh, that's Travis Kelsey? Like, that's Travis like, Kelsey. hmm, maybe we should bracket him. You know, and for people that don't know, that's like playing inside and outside with two guys on him or man and a guy over the top. Like, that's putting a lot of attention towards the one guy. And they, they didn't do that. On defense, I know I'm pivoting slightly, but the one guy that, should get the same treatment is Chris Jones, but nah, he's one-on-one -on -one with Jatiri Carter and one-on-one -on -one with Darnell Wright and just raking them or, or well, just cooking them, whatever you want to call. I like, I'm blown away. What are like, we doing? I look at, look, I can't tell if this is hindsight 2020 or not, to be honest with you, Nick, but the bears are so unsuccessful on offense right now that it's, it's legitimately hard to critique them fairly because it can be easy to watch this offense and forget what, proper offense looks like like that's something that i do think is making making life legitimately difficult for a lot of bears fans right now nick and i'm not even playing around when i say this is that bears fans are becoming so consistently exposed so, to such bad offense that they're going to take a look at the packers offense and they're not going to realize which of the motions and which of the pre-snap checks and which of the route combinations are like nfl staples and which ones are lafleur iterations because it all looks so much better than what's yeah. going on in Chicago. And it's all working so much healthier than what's going on in Chicago that it must all just be Packer wizardry within this bears defense or offense. Honestly, like I would have hoped that the bears offense had some kind of a signal like that. They saw Chris Jones lined up over Darnell Wright and thought, huh, that's, that's not the position Chris Jones normally plays. Maybe we should go help him. 
Like maybe, or, or maybe let's, we should let's roll left. Let's roll left. Maybe we should just adjust protection. Quarterbacks have the flexibility. Every offense, basically, you tell me if I'm crazy because my understanding is this happens in high school ball that quarterbacks can go. That's an issue. Hey, tight end, a bail on your route. We're gonna just change the play. I'm gonna have you sit right there and block with my guy so that I don't get hit. Well, no. that, that, that's what good <laughs> offenses do, Robert. Good offenses. Because again, life, this is any job, any relationship, there are problems and there are solutions. And if you don't have solutions baked in or any idea how to create a solution, you're not going to be successful at a whole lot in life. And so when you're there and you're like, hey, I see all this going on in front of me, we need to have a solution. Now, some of the problem I have, and and if you want to talk about a little bit of structurally, I have some offensive things. And this is, and again, in my notes, I'd labeled, I loathe. So. I loathe on offense when we attach our tight end opposite trips. So again, for people, that's three receivers to one side and legit wide receivers. And then your tight end is right next to the tackle on on the other side of the line. I loathe that because if you're the defense and I see this, I'm like, okay, well, they're really not going to throw to this side of the field or they're not going to get out there in a hurry. So now the safeties can flow over the top and the other side. And you're not really going to help your quarterback. It's like, yeah, he can read half the field, but if there's more defenders over there, it's really hard to be successful. Why not leave him split out? I loathe when, and they did this multiple times. I saw them do this last week, and I uh, loathe. I was going to say I hate. I'm going to stay with loathe. I loathe, Robert, when they bring in multiple tight ends to one side of the field. And it was Mercedes Lewis, which I love bringing him back in more to play because he was actually good. And another tight end, probably Komet to block and then they bring Claypool in real tightly. He's like almost like a wing. And I see that me. Okay. And again, like, you know, I've coached a lot, whatever you see this, Robert. And I'm like, well, it's a run play. And it is a run play. At least leave Claypool out. I mean, like leave, leave some deception in here. Like it's not a shock to what Chicago is doing. The, the other one, I have a third play that I loathe. There was one play where they had like two tight ends, like chip and like stay in. Mm-hmm. And two backs, like they're they like, like, yeah, they've like done huge this production, bunch. or one back, sorry. And then they had two receivers. There was like two receivers on routes, and then they leaked. I kid you not, Mercedes Lewis out late on a, like a third and like eight or ten. And I'm like, how is that going to be successful? Like, it structurally doesn't make sense and makes things easier for the defense. It's like the complete opposite of what you want. And I mean, beyond that, I can't help but feel like Nick. So <clears throat> everything you're talking about, dead on. The Bears are basically, to if you don't mind me boiling it down, the Bears basically telegraph everything they do. But even more so, let me give you a little vignette example, because I think you're going to agree with me on this. So you see Justin Fields gets punched in the face. He's slow to get up. He's walking back to the huddle. You as a head coach, agree or disagree, you should know your player well enough that when he's going to put himself in harm's way, you should be the one to pull him, not DJ Moore. Right. hundred percent. So, and I, I've done that my entire career. Cause I, I mean, I care about people more than football people matter. Right. And so let, I'm not actually hanging out on Eberflus. I'm simply using that little picture to paint another picture. The bears last year didn't have any receivers. They didn't have an offensive line. Everybody on earth knew that the bears were going to run the ball on every freaking down. They were able to. 
And so what did we do? We invented a bunch of solutions to do it anyways. You want to line up and take away the outside edges? Well, let's attack the weak side. Let's attack the weak side with toss plays. Let's get a rookie that you've never heard of out in space and go smoke some people. Let's mm -hmm. use ESB as if he's a tight end because you're going to put a DB in when we put ESB in the game and we're going to run you over. Let's use zone read to loosen up the box so that we can run between the tackles at an efficient enough rate to get back outside. And then what did we do when we got to 2023? We scrapped it all. And I understand the theory. The thinking is, well, yeah, I mean, duh. Now we have DJ Moore. We have Darnell Mooney. We have Chase Claypool. And we have a bunch of defenses that are going to gear up to stop the run. But my God, Nick, every time we are dropping Justin Fields back, like to me, a really good coach. And I hate saying this, man. I hate saying this. A really good coach would see that Justin Fields cannot make a quick read right now. Like, there's just too much going on. The situation at Chicago has become untenable. Like, I had this interaction just the other day. You, maybe you saw it. Maybe you didn't. But, like, I put out a tweet about Fields' dropback speed. I compared it to Tua. I was planning on putting more out. Still am. It got, like, 1.8 million impressions. Suddenly, NFL Live, uh, Dan Orlovsky, different ESPN shows were, like, talking about it. Uh, on Sunday, and not the tweet specifically, but they were talking about Justin Fields' pace of play, and I yeah. knew where they pulled it from. And if Justin Fields is hearing about that kind of stuff, like, if Justin Fields is hearing, they're, criticize they're criticizing me on what? Like, it's not just, this isn't as simple as, you missed an open receiver, or you didn't get through your reads. This is as simple as the base levels of how you play, and if he, at any part of his, like, game, starts putting any thought into everything he does, he is going to slow down. It's the, it's just a fact of life. You know what I mean, Nick? Like, yeah. And, well, it's what's, I mean, what's happening in my opinion is exactly what me as an offensive and it, for people that don't know, like my coaching background is mainly offense. I've coached some defense just because I do what annoys me when I see an offense and I'm like, Hey, this will stop them. And it, and it works, but I'm an offensive guy. So what you want to do, is you want the defensive guys to think. So motion, shifts, trades, you know, that's what play action, all this. You want them to think, hurry up, right? So then they hesitate for a second, and then you have the space that you need to be successful. That's what football is. That's why, like, people think about, like, the read option. Literally, in any read option, RPOs, et cetera, you take their best player, you make them think instead of be the crazy, big, fast athlete that they are, and you're going to win a lot more because they can't dominate you. They have to be like, oh, wow, I have to be smart right. this time instead of just be this athlete. What's happening at Fields is now he's overloaded thinking and he can't be the dyna dyna dynamic athlete that he is. And what's the most telling today, Robert, that I thought, Fields didn't even look comfortable scrambling like no. he did last year. He looks so much more like comfortable and, no. you know, just freelancing and scrambling. He looked the, – the one he was scrambled, he scrambled into a guy and then only got like two yards. I was like, that yep. looked weird. It's, it's bad. And that's not even – like, Nick, the other piece of this is that on one hand, we could talk about Fields. But, like, what's there to say? Fields finished today with 99 yards. 11 for 22 with a touchdown, a pick, and three sacks. Do you, does anybody really need me to dive into this? Like, it's obviously not working. But it's not working at such an extreme level yep. that there's more to this story than just the player. For instance, for instance, okay, let me talk about the interception. 
I can make as many jokes as I, like I don't think Justin Fields can see multiple defenders and know what's going on. And this is like think eidetic memory, or at least what you would imagine an eidetic memory looks like, right? The whole photographic memory, the same word, eidetic photographic. Mac Jones is going to look at a defense pre-snap. For better or for worse, you don't have to love Mac Jones, but like Mac Jones is going to look at a defense pre-snap and then he's going to have to look down at the ball to catch the shotgun snap. And then he's going to look back up and he has to know in a moment whether something changed. And he probably needs to have a good idea of what changed so Mm -hmm. that he can continue to play on time within the offense. The NFL is hard. Fields does not seem like he's got a great feel for defenders over the middle. It's why generally he's avoiding that area. But beyond that, Nick... Why is Cole Komet curling in front of a dig? I know that's the common way we draw that play, but can't we run like a small out route or like a flat route or something that would draw the linebacker a little more plainly because we know our quarterback is struggling to see out there. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, but that's the concept. So that that's that's wrap, or I've heard it called four wrap. And so Green Bay runs that all the time. I mean, they ran that. If people remember the remember the historic Christian Watson long touchdown against the Eagles. I'm sure right. we've all heard about it 84 times in the offseason. That's exactly what they did. So what you're doing, you're just high-lowing that defender. And in my mind, fields through it too early. So basically, you should look at that defender. Well, if that, he's gonna plus, take, am I crazy, or did Komet run the route too high? Like, yeah, he did. I've deep. seen a lot of those yep. because if you're going to run it that way, you have to force the linebacker to like move more. He took mm-hmm. two steps and had Kmet covered. He, yep. you never want, you know, that a route spacing is off. Am I, am I surmising this wrong? You know, route spacing is off when one defender can cover two players because mm-hmm. at that point, you, mm-hmm. as whether it's the schemer, whether it's the route runner, somebody botched something. Because mm-hmm. if the plays run correctly, no, you can't. One defender. Yep will have to cover one offensive player, not well, two. And, and last week, me and you actually debated this one in DMs, but that last week, Komet did run out of that. So he ran it like sticks. So he ran his hitch and then he ran an out and then they ran the, the dig inside. So if they flipped it up this time or Komet ran it wrong this time and he should have ran out because they ran that multiple times last week. I don't know. Um, there, there were, I'm going to say this one. There were two positives. How about this? I'm going to say a positive. Yeah. First time. I don't know how long we're in this podcast. Positive. There were two positive changes Getsy made offensively in terms of scheme that got me a little excited. I was like, oh, the first one, and this is sad because everyone, literally everyone that watches football knew the successful way to do this. And I brought this up as a whatever person just on this podcast brought this up preseason quarterback sneaks tush push push them forward right we talked about this what did they do today they did it and they were successful twice look at us successful and then the other one the other one is and i talked about this too green bay does this terrifically they play action that outside zone and then they take a a play action drop straight back instead of booting out and letting the end hit him. And they did that once. And that's when DJ Moore was covered, but he got rid of it, but he had time to throw. So I was like, Oh, look at this. And then we didn't do it again, but, but there's at least a glimmer of some change in scheme. Right. And I mean, I gotta be honest with you, man. Like there are pieces cause we also saw more rollouts, but like a rollout is calling for more rollouts. is like calling for more icing. Like you do need a cake. 
Mm -hmm. There has to be a cake there. You can't live. So I I was talking about this with Jeff Hughes uh, on DeBear's blog. We're doing like a DVB preview thing or pregame thing. The hardest part about cutting the field in half is that you aren't cutting the field in half. You're cutting it into about a third and abandoning the other two thirds. You Mm -hmm. can't actually throw back into the middle of the field when you roll out. Like that would be a crossbody throw. And for the most part, that's going to be an issue. And so what'd you say? We call it the Cardinal sin for quarterbacks. Yes, Don't do Cardinal that. sin. Brett, Brett, Brett Favre, Minnesota NFC Championship game interception. Like exactly, you and you'll get some sweet Josh Allen moments, but you'll get some bad Josh Allen moments. The more you mm-hmm. make it a habit. So mm-hmm. when you roll out, all you've got is that sideline, and there are defensive calls that will flat take it all away. Like the, when you're limiting yourself to that little field to attack there there's a hard ceiling on what we're actually able to do on offense. And so I do want to see by hook or by crook, Justin Fields has to throw from the pocket, like by hook or by crook, Nick. And those play action motions are a great way to try to Jimmy loose some extra pocket time so that he can see what he needs to see. I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm still surprised from an offensive emphasis perspective. Like, so I was somebody who was really big this offseason on we got to pass the ball on neutral downs more often. Throw it away. It is, it is not working. And we have had <laughs> enough time. We have had enough time to realize it's not working. And you yeah. could joke all you want to, Nick, but I'm serious. Like, No, I, I know. It's just so sad we're here, man. Like I have to, I have to laugh to not cry about it. Sure. I, I, and that's not, me, that's not me chastising. It's more like uh, this is the part where I have to wear my Robert Schmidt's coaching hat instead of my Robert Schmidt's evaluator hat. Because Mm -hmm. evaluator hat says, well, if we got better play from the quarterback, pieces of this offense might work. But as a coach, that's not really an option. Like, unless you think Nathan Peterman is the actual answer here, or if you think Tyson Bajan is ready, and I don't want to go there yet, uh, then you have to rescue Justin Fields from this mental place he's in right now. You know? Well, and, there, 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 there's only one. There's one other possible solution here. Give it That's to me. not that. Give it to me. It's after next week. Chicago could have four of their starting five offensive linemen back, and that could change quite a bit. It could, honestly, that could make the the ground game better. Well, I'm sorry. It should make the ground game better. It should make pass protection better. I'm not saying that the line is everything, but the line has been not good. Thirty first, I think, is what or thirtieth is what PFF had them ranked going into this week so that could help out a little bit the other thing that i wouldn't mind and i agree with you 100 i i hate rolling out even as a i mean as a coach i would do it in high school just because i mean it's it's an easy (laughs) way to buy time but like you're not you can't throw to the whole part of the field anyway because their arms aren't very good the one thing that I, i would like is if you do run action and you pull a lineman yes and you move the pocket maybe a yard or two to the left or to the right that's fine because then the, we talked about this. Then the defense is normally the rushing to an X. It changes the X. And they won't be as good rushing. Like that would be smart. But yeah, the complete rollouts, you can't live on that. No. It, uh, <laughs> and what, what drives my mind, Nick, help me out here, right? Because when we're talking about the offensive line, where I struggle is that there are too many of these dropbacks, especially early in the game, where it doesn't feel like the offensive line is the problem. Or at least when Fields finally gets pressured. Like, let's use an example. Kansas City rushes three. Chris Jones beats Darnell Wright pretty handily. We left Darnell Wright on an island against Chris Jones for some reason. On a three-man rush. I'd, yep. I'll ask that question later, right? Yep. 
Fields probably goes down. I didn't hand time it, but he probably goes down around the three and a half second mark. He probably gets pressured around the two and a half second mark. And Mm -hmm. as you watch these other games, like Justin Herbert deals with that too, right? Like Kirk Cousins deals with that too. A lot of them will get the ball out. It's not even, it's not that it has to be an accurate throw, but like the ball, especially when you're that when you're backed that far up against your kicker's furthest field goal range possible, We do have to throw it somewhere. And that's not me trying to get you to admit one thing or another. It's more like where I think I'm struggling is that the eye test doesn't tell me that the Bears offensive line absolutely sucks. This isn't last year where it was instantaneous pressure after instantaneous pressure, partially because it feels like defensive lines are deliberately rushing contain against Justin Fields and not trying to break through the pocket immediately. But I don't know. What do you think about the way the offensive line is playing so far? Do you think it has been that bad? Um, at times it has been terrible. At times it's awful. I mean, I mean, like Green Bay was just like it was really bad. And like last week, we saw how many times he was in the middle of his motion getting hit as he's throwing because Vita Vea is pass rushing by people, which he's not a pass rusher; he's no. a run defender. Um. I mean, yeah, I agree with you because I think the, we're, we're seeing more of those, you know, spot drop zones from defenses and they're they're daring fields to beat them and pick them apart. I think one of the issues fields has right now is, and we've talked at nauseam about his drop speed. I think his drop depth, his drop timing, but then also, because sometimes I feel like he's not far enough back. Like, <laughs> to, to, you know what I mean? Like, because... Because I I had set landmarks for my quarterbacks, like on certain ones. I'm like, hey, okay, I want you to be five yards here. I want you to be seven yards here. I want you to be whatever. And that allows you to hitch up and everything goes together. But I also think that he doesn't do well with like slight adjustments in the pocket, half yard here, you know, a couple of feet there to move slightly away from pressure and keep you and then be calm and deliver down the field. So I think there's a lot to it, but I do think getting Lucas Patrick and JT, Jatir Carter and you know whomever out and getting the other, those other guys in are would be helpful. I would love for Jatiri Carter to develop into something, but he yeah. got long armed immediately in this game and made a nasty, nasty impression on the Bears' first drive of the game. But mm-hmm. I, I can't help feeling like for as much as we would talk about the offense, and we have for uh, probably the better part of twenty minutes here, to me it's the defense that's the bigger story. I get it. You're missing a lot of DBs, honestly. Like, you start missing Eddie Jackson. Jalen Johnson functionally stands on his head. Jaquan Brisker gets hurt again. Uh, And you're also rotating nickelbacks for a reason. That's a question I would love to ask Manny Rufloos. Why we're Mm -hmm. pro-rotation. It's not long ago that we were rotating Tevin Jenkins and Lucas Patrick at left guard. Or, I guess that was right guard. But this... It feels so easy. It feels so easy for a lot of teams, Nick. Like, you and I could sit here and we could pick apart spot drop. You and I could talk about how I, at least this is my opinion, in a day and age of NFL quarterbacks that can flat out play and wide receivers that can flat out play, this idea that you're going to play eyes to the quarterback 100% of the time, it's like leading with a changeup in baseball. It's like that being your primary pitch. And you can't just sit there and throw changeups. Like no. you need a better fastball to be mm-hmm. able to make that changeup work. But the way that like if I was going to categorize the Bears defense's style points, they're scoring lower than anybody in the league, including the team that just gave up 70. 
based on what I'm seeing because it looks like opposing quarterbacks, not even kidding around. I've seen. No, no, I mean, you said 70. And to me, like, I mean, that was just bad. Like, they quit as well. That was really bad. Well, they quit too. And I don't know what Sean Payton did to Mike McDaniel because you don't, you don't do that on accident. Like, no. No. The, the Chiefs called the dogs off. This is what it looks like, including multiple field goal drives where it almost felt like Matt Nagy and the organization went, sheesh. Okay, maybe we I, just kick it here. <laughs> I, I, I do. I do have. Um, so I, I saw this picture. And I, who sent this out is uh, BR Gridiron, whoever that is on Twitter. And and he was Mike McDaniel. It's a big, I, it says it's him. I don't know if it's accurate, but it's got to be accurate, I assume. And it says Mike McDaniel Broncos ball boy. So he must have been like, you know, they said it's bad when your ball boy is blowing you out. I mean, again, he, he didn't coach for McDaniel or whomever, but I was just like, wow. Like, wow. 70. But no, I agree with you. Like, it's, it's bad in every way. I mean, there was a time, and again, like, not long into the game, I, I got through the anger and just started like, it was almost comical. But I mean, you had it was comical. Terrell Smith, Jalen Jones, Quindell Johnson, Brisker, Hicks, depending or or Johnson, whoever's out there, Hicks and Stroman. Like that's who you had out there. It's just mm-hmm. like, oh, don't worry, it's just Patrick Mahomes. You got it. But you know the funny part is Nick is that like, I don't think the Lions DBs are like that much better i mean okay so this is where i'm going to say some things that are a little ridiculous so strap in because you may not agree with me but there are other staffs that have their dbs playing harder playing tighter playing or making windows tougher for patrick mahomes and yes of course that group in particular the you know once we hit the point where bears started finding ways to take themselves out of the game I, it felt like, uh, obviously that's embarrassing going up against Blake Gabbert and whoever, uh, or Blaine Gabbert and whoever else the chiefs wanted to put out on the field at that point. But it's not like sky Moore, It's not like MVS. It's not like Kadarius. Tony looked like world beaters entering this game, which is, I think part of what frustrates me because the chiefs mm-hmm. uniform flying open. Well, that feels pretty second nature after the last couple of years, but this isn't that team. These aren't those guys. You know what I'm saying? Well, I like, well, I mean, and you brought up the Lions, but like, you know, Travis Kelsey again makes a little bit of a difference because they didn't have him. It's a game. huge difference. Yeah. That's why but, you have Tremaine Edmonds. You right. hope. Well, yeah, that's part of it too. But you know, and, and we talked about like trying and not trying. Um, and 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 I mean you 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 had said middle school was your last time with football, but this <laughs> is a huge, a huge indicator with football is there's a big play and there's a big collision. And the team that's losing or the big play happened against, they was given, uh, they got a back or a knee or an ankle. Like they're hurt. You know, they're not injured. They're hurt. You know, like uh, they have to come out for a play or two. You're winning and there's a big collision. You get up because you're hyped and you're fine. You're like, ah, I can walk this off, rub some dirt out, like whatever. Like that is a thing. And in this game, it was, every bear was hurt. Like they found a way to like, oh man, I think I have a, I have a hangnail. I got. I got. I got to go in the locker room and get this Gosh, hangnail checked out. It felt that way, and I mean, yeah. I, I hope. I hope not. But that's what it felt like. One thing that's really frustrating me is so it's one thing for your bears or for your defensive line to not be very good. Okay, that happens. Not everybody can win. But the biggest problem I'm seeing is that based on the way the bears are calling the defense, because today it did not seem like they wanted to bring pressure looks against Patrick Mahomes. I don't blame them. That's not generally a good idea. But 
Patrick Mahomes was also the quickest quarterback that we've seen to realize that he was not going to get pass pass rush for the entire game. It took Love two and a half quarters. It took Baker one and a half quarters. It took Patrick Mahomes two drives. And then he just started playing like he was wearing a red jersey. And that is scary stuff. What? Seven on seven. Cool. That's terrifying because I get that it's Pat. But I don't think we've seen him yet do that thing he does where he just steps up and flings the ball on a uh, slot fair or what was that? A slot corner route where he just hit us. Justin Watson. Was it like this was first, second quarter? Yeah. So that's a, that's actually a play that I love. So that's uh, that's out of the the air raid system. So, Mm -hmm. so, you know, mesh, right? Right. So it, it's it's mesh, and then I think it's called buzz afterwards. So that you go through, and then most of the time defenses, oh, mesh is coming, and then you have him go up, and so he hits like that, like a like a hor- like a horizontal like stretch, but then you go vertical with the stretch after, and like oh, oh crap, man. and then there's a huge void, and boom, big play. So everybody just sinks up, and then you slice through it, man. Yeah. It, you know, it almost sounds like it's modern offense with modern <laughs> solutions built to target exactly I, this defense. I, uh, I like Andy Reid, man. I like Andy Reid. Like it's fun what well, he does. Yeah, it's great offense. Like yep. I, that's not me dunking at all. It's more like God dang. Like the what frustrates me is the same thing that frustrated me last year. Where you look at this defensive scheme and you say, yeah, it's not working because they don't have the horses. Because this scheme is requiring an absurd amount of horses. Like yep. what you need for this scheme to work is a DeForest Buckner. And if you could keep your Andrew Billings and also add a sweet edge rusher at the same time, then you might, might have a top 10 defense. Might. Maybe, maybe you should, maybe you think you could, but yeah. you might, or one way or another, people aren't going to get home. Offenses will figure out ways to stop your guys. It's, this feels like we're playing ring around the Rosie. You know oh, what yeah. I mean? Like we're just, I mean, it, going around it, it wasn't even close. Like, like there's a, a touchdown late that got called back because Juwan Taylor was too far back and he was wide open. Like, it's just like, <laughs> it's, it's, I, I was talking with, you know, a guy that I write with. It looks like coverage guy. busts. Yep. It's not, it, it, it's like Chicago's a JV defense and they're playing, they're playing a D one college. And, and here's the thing is that everyone's like, Oh, here's Justin Fields record as a starter. And here's this, here's that. The defense is the biggest problem in Chicago last year. This year, it's been like that for a while. They've been embarrassingly bad. The offense hasn't been good. I'm not trying to justify that. The defense is embarrassingly bad. I tend to think, maybe I'm giving people too much credit. I tend to think any reasonable person would agree that Fields' games before his career renaissance last year, yeah, those should have been losses. Like, the offense was really struggling. The games during, he should have won a lot more of those. And then the games after everybody was hurt, it was just bad. Like, I don't think anybody would have actually expected those teams to really, like, win games. This year, I can't help but think that this offense and Justin Fields' general storyline is actually taking more heat off of Matt Eberflus' defensive underperformance than meets the eye. This is a horrible defense. This is a Mm -hmm. defense that is worse. It's listless. Like, we're not looking at this defense and saying, well, at least they do this well. What would it be, Nick? Like, would it be that at least we have a defensive tackle that, man, when he's on, he's eating run plays? Like, that's good, but that's not a scheme. That's that's a player. Like, all of the positives tend to come I, from I, players. I can't, I can't think of any positive. Um, at least they're really bad on third and fourth down. <laughs> 
Like they're embarrassingly bad. That's when the huge shot plays come in. It's just like any of those times. I mean, again, I I'm going through right now and I'm looking, but like you gave up 38 points to green Bay who you saw today against a good defense was not good. They gave up. How many yards was it to Baker last week? It was what? 400, 437 yards to Tampa Bay who, what the, uh, the Vikings gave up 200 some to the week before. Right. Yeah, I'm pulling it up. They gave up. They got 242 yards against Minnesota, who's a bad defense. And then Chicago gave up 200 more yards than that. Like, it's embarrassingly bad. And you're a defensive head coach. You have the hits philosophy. Like, this is your thing. Like, to me, that's the biggest issue. Like, yeah, I Fields needs to do better. Way better. But defense is like... Not even, not even NFL level, not even close. So let's talk about fields a little bit. Sure. And I'm going to, I'm going to hit a disclaimer here that we're 45 minutes into a post-game podcast talking about the bears getting absolutely annihilated, Mm. annihilated. We talked at the top of the show, how rationalizing that the sky is falling is purely looking at what is happening and talking about it. It's bad out there, right? Today, was a good day through only one lens, Nick. Only one lens says that today was a good day for Chicago. And that's the lens of the draft. If you're (laughs) thinking about it, if you're thinking about it, will Arizona winning today and looking awfully spicy against a Dallas Cowboys team that should be better than them and Houston stealing the win that we talked about earlier, that's huge. Not to say that Chicago is going to go literally winless, but if those teams are capable of stealing wins, it makes the Bears' ability to potentially generate the number one overall pick that much more likely. And if they do get the number one overall pick, it's got to be a quarterback. It, it we be. don't have to talk about the names yet, but that calls into question, Nick, something really brutal. Because mm-hmm. I didn't start talking about this to talk about the number one overall pick. I am rapidly losing faith that Justin Fields will succeed in Chicago. I actually think that if the Bears, I don't know, if for some some way, shape, or form, Justin Fields found his way onto Atlanta or found his way onto New York or found his way onto any number of other really horrible teams where they took advantage of the fact that he's got, I don't know, again, let's pretend we're talking about a trade. This would never happen. But let's pretend we're talking about a trade. They take advantage of the fact that he's got two cheap years and a fifth-year option. They bring him in. They sit him on the bench. They say, clear your head and just just practice. Like, we'll come back to this next year. I could see him turning into a Tannehill-esque, like, deep launcher that also runs the ball a lot and can check the bell, or check it down when he needs to and becomes maybe not a win-because-of, but a win-with player at, mm-hmm. at another destination. But in Chicago right now, I just can't help but think that his memories at the org are beginning to <laughs> become a problem enough for him, his own development, and everything going on inside the building. Tell me if I'm crazy, Nick, because I'm not trying to hit the eject button, but things mm-hmm. look pretty grim right now. Like, yeah. we just we just had another game where, let me check the box score one more time. Yep, it's what I thought. We combined for less than 150 yards if we include passing and rushing. Like, stuff's not working. And I'm not even... I I think this could be a more complex conversation than people wanting to point and be like, it's Field's fault. And if we had blank, we'd actually rule. No. 
the whole thing is dysfunctional. Yep. But if we've taken a look at Carson Wentz and Brian Tannehill and Baker Mayfield, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, there's a point where the run is over. And I don't know if we're all the way there yet, but we're trending awfully bad. What do you think? No, well, here's here's the part of it too. So the big um, advantage is having that rookie quarterback or that quarterback on a rookie contract, right? Like if you have them on that cheap contract, you can build a team around them and you can make a run. After they get paid, it's really tough, right? Because then you're hamstrung and you're the Giants right now. You're some the, you're the the Vikings. You have like a good quarterback, but it's tough to build everything else around them, and it makes it tough. This is Fields' third year. So, I mean, you have next year, you have the fifth-year option, and then he gets paid. And so, I mean, just structurally, because like right now, he's a question mark, right? He's not a positive. He's a question mark. And like, could it turn around? Could Chicago turn into Detroit last year and go on a run? It's possible. I don't see it happening, not with the defense the way it Detroit is. Detroit scored so much. But- like right, right. Detroit lost a bunch of super close games and they just remained being one of the hottest offenses. Cause that's actually something I'm glad you brought it up and trust me, I'm just inserting into your role. I want to get your role going again, but yeah. like I've heard some people talk about how Detroit went, what? Oh, and seven, oh, and eight. And then they went on this massive run. Right. That is great for them. The bears right now are losing on both sides of the ball. Like Mm -hmm. we aren't saying, well, if one of these things goes on a lucky run or comes back to earth, then the other will pick it up. Both sides have to tectonically shift for this team to win a game. It feels like, I mean, Mm -hmm. let alone win five games and it doesn't help anything. Nick, did you know this? Did you know this? How many teams do you think had more wins than six wins? So seven plus, how many teams would you assume out of 32 had that many wins? Last year, last year, and the year before that. So let's go both the last two years because that's as far as I've looked. They did six or more wins. How many teams out of no? They had seven or more wins. Oh, seven or more wins. You'd expect like teams. What twenty? Right. I would say, um, forty-one teams. Well, okay, so that's total. Good thought. An average of about twenty and a half. Right. Ah, oh, the, you pay you put twenty and a half no, no, together. No, 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 no. I'm. You said forty-one teams. So I'm yeah, making combining sure the two years. Combining the two years. So between each year, you're expecting oh, about half? twenty and a half team. Right. Oh wow, bad. No, okay. no, no, no. So, so I'm I'm clarifying your answer because the answer okay. is twenty-five. Oh, the wow. bear, there are there are more teams that achieve relatively average win totals than you think there are. Because there are these teams that lose 14 games and hand wins out and effectively inflate NFL average win totals because a five-win team that beats Arizona is now a six-win team. And if they Mm -hmm. played Chicago, now they're a seven-win team. Yeah. And I say this because asking the Bears to be one of the 25 teams that had won seven games and looked relatively competitive is not a big ask. It's not a big ask. Not after the draft picks that they had passing on another quarterback, which I would have done again, like drafting CJ Stroud last year would have been a mess, blah, blah, blah podcast for another time. But I look at this team, the bar wasn't high and I'll pass it back to you. If you can remember where your train of thought was, I'm sorry for getting in the way for so long. (laughs) No. So, so rookie contract with fields is out and clearly Getsy 
and him and everything isn't working. Like me as a Fields fan, as someone that named their dog Fields, like I think he deserves better. And I think that we should trade him. Like that's how I feel. Like even tomorrow, if you, if the Jets come and they, if they offer, I mean, a solid compensation package, it makes sense. Because it, it's not there. It's not going to happen this year. It's not. That's what we've been driven to. Like, mm-hmm. it's it's at a point, to me at least, where if you love Justin Fields, then that's great. But why would it work in Chicago? Like, if nah. the Bears are as bad as we think they are, not even that's even putting aside thoughts of trying to be worse. <laughs> like, if the Bears are as bad as we think they are, they will end up with more than likely let's just put it kindly two top 10 picks right nick i find it highly unlikely in a quarterback class that features look i'll just go off the top of my head if i can think of caleb williams and drake may and shitter sanders who may or may not uh he may or may not go but so michael Penix and jj mccarthy and quinn ewers and i haven't looked any further than that so five of those six names will probably declare and five of those or and those five guys probably end up being first rounders. No way the Bears don't take a quarterback. And if they do take a quarterback, the writing's on the wall for fields anyways, which sucks. Well, like, I mean, like, like even this, Robert, if, if next week it's Denver who just let someone drop 70 on them, let's Chicago score 24 points. And let's say they score 24 points each of the, the rest of the season. That's their average. How many games do they win? Oh, Lord. So this is this is that they score 24 points. They probably win like four, which isn't good, but it's purely no. because I you you don't think they win oh you don't think they win four? Because 24 points would actually make you an above average offense. That would be a good no, offensive showing. No, I know, but no, I'm just saying like like four games, like yeah, but like it wouldn't be good because you've you've allowed 38, 27, and 41. Now you allowed 20. You allowed 31. Ah, okay. <laughs> but okay. you're 100% right. Like, <laughs> I mean, it's still about the 24. Do I think Jimmy Garoppolo is going to roll up and hang 30 on the Bears? At this rate, probably. But pro- you would think not. You would think not. The Raiders are in their own way as much as anything else. But I'll tell you, that's another thing that would definitely disturb me a little bit is that a lot of the teams that the Bears have on their schedule are offensively medium competent like the broncos can't can't get out of their own way but their offense has some gears to it right like jimmy garoppolo has Devonte adams to work with he's got josh jacobs to work with that's just a couple i guess like looks down the future maybe we won't feel that way i know the uh sunday night game is going on right now and semi-predictably it is oh no it's zero zero like five minutes into the first so that doesn't mean anything, but no. <laughs> yeah, that, I don't know. That, to be expected. I don't know, man. Like I can't help, but I think we talked about this like really, really early. Like after the Packers week one game, I sounded like a straight up sky is falling chicken little doomer talking about how the bears could easily go. zero and five. Unbelievably. We are living it. Like we talked about how the bears needed to effectively reject their performance against Green Bay and say, that's not who we are. And I don't know about you. This felt like a direct sequel. 
to the Green Bay game. Oh, and yeah. put put me in the coaching room, Nick. Am I crazy for thinking that if you got everybody's emotions up for last Sunday, and even worse, if you tried to get everybody's emotions up for this Sunday, like th- whatever Matty Berflus is doing to try to draw emotions out of people, it's going to start wearing on people. Like now that you just keep losing, right? But like, but but also like, it's just it's baffling, Robert, because it's your job to do something. So what? Like you're going to be worse at your job because you're just I don't. To to me, I'm just not driven that way. Like I'm driven way more by failure and losses than I am by like oh sure someone barking in my ear. And I and I know like leadership and all this stuff matters. Like we've talked about that, but like it's just crazy to me that how many of these guys have checked out. So here's a question for you. I know we're kind of at the end of this. So, and this is bad. I have to to ask this question. Give it to me. This is multiple times we've thought this, this season for the Bears. Which Chicago Bears can you identify like, hey, you know what? That guy was really trying late in the game. Oh, I thought you were going to ask me which of them would I trade. Um, So we'll save that for another time because it's a longer list than I'm comfortable admitting. Not because I hate all these Bears. I actually love most of the guys that I would name. Um, But we might be getting there. We, We might be. We might be getting there. Anyways, yeah. um, as far as the Bears that tried, it gets tough because the passing game is so dead on arrival that it's hard to tell which wide receivers are like trying. But yeah. to me, I'll tell you one thing that really, really, really bothers me is that Tyler Scott. So what I'm about to say is a reflection on Luke Getze, Matty Verflus, and the rest of the coaching staff. Tyler Scott seemed so excited to be a Chicago Bear. And both last week and this week, you can catch him not running his for the love of the game routes full speed. He's a rookie. I get having issue or having effort problems with Chase Claypool, but the rookie is taking plays off. Like, what are we doing? You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, I mean, he's he's still fitting it in there in in traffic for a small guy. I'll give. Oh him yeah, that. like yeah. I I say this as somebody who likes what Tyler Scott has to offer and just mm. thinks that the locker room culture has gotten so toxic that apparently the cool thing to do is to not give a damn. Like Roshan Johnson's trying. Khalil yep. Herbert seems like he's trying for mm-hmm. better or for worse. That fumble really humbled him. Uh, it seems like the offensive line is trying. They don't really get an out though. Like the moment right. you stop right. trying on offensive line, life gets really hard. Justin Fields is trying. And like then- that, like, like that's one thing I want people like Justin Fields at the end of this game. It was not a throwaway game to him. He's running. He's diving. He's taking hits. I was like, that's that's a leader, Robert. Like yeah. you can say whatever you want about how quickly he can process or his reads or you know people that hate him. He's a running back. He can't throw like all of that shit. He's a leader and he cares. And he placed a couple of gorgeous balls throughout the game. I I think he needs a space, an environment where he could calm down. Like mm-hmm. to me the fact that his processing, not his processing, that's not it. It's more like his play tempo, to be honest with you. It it got slower from last year to this year. And it, it got slower from his rookie year to his sophomore year. I don't know specifically what coaching question needs to be answered there because there is a clear, to me at least, there is a clear um, correlation between Getsy's arrival and when these issues began to fester. But I'm not silly enough to think that you could fix it simply by trading him and spending a couple weeks on the bench. Hey, you know, stranger things have happened. Maybe it's possible. But I bet it's an offseason thing and a new um, offense thing. Yeah. But- so 
in terms yeah. of like bears that tried late um who'd you have you know, the jack sanborn like pick was awesome it's it also was funny because you know you know jacob you know um i can't think it was like infante or whatever infante. The, the 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 joke that he had that sanborn was dating taylor swift and the taylor swift is there and then and then sanborn had the pick and i was like oh now she's gotta choose who she wants to be with you know <laughs> um but you know one thing that i think the bear that's disappointed me the most this year has been TJ Edwards and he had 17 tackles, but I just don't know. <laughs> I don't know how much he, do you think he's like all in I that one? That one I struggle with a little bit. So him and Tremaine are both really weird watches this year because mm -hmm. it still looks to me like Tremaine keeps defaulting back to what he learned with Sean McDermott. Like the way that he drops, the way that he moves within this defense. It's as if they told him, yeah, do what the, do what the bills told you to do. And they just didn't bother to teach him. And that sucks because it means that you've got a defense that doesn't move in unison. Either that or he hated what the Bears told him and just didn't do it because you do have to facilitate buy-in. TJ Edwards is a weird one to talk about, if only because he's a former UDFA. His Eagles film didn't look fast either. He was just in the right place at the right time. The fact that they are using him as a will linebacker is ridiculous. It has been ridiculous. You know what I'm saying? Like well, he's a, he's a, yeah. Well, he he lost weight and then he yeah, and then he got a little quicker by doing that his last year in Philly. But yeah, he's a Mike. He's a chase and pursuit linebacker. One of the one of the slower guys on the defense. Like I love his physicality. I think he hits like a hammer. But the yeah. idea that we're having him do this is insane. It has been insane. But. There are a bunch of these things that, to be honest with you, Nick, they just don't come up in common conversation because I tend to think that everybody knows and talking about it just makes us sound like doomers because this doesn't normally happen. Like, to bring it full circle, it doesn't actually get this bad in in nine nine and a half times out of ten. It's not actually this bad. The Bears are putting on a clinic over the last yeah. – 10 years on how to have a coach embarrass themselves. Well, so, okay. So let me ask you this. So I know we probably got a few minutes left and this is something that, again, I talked about this last time. I don't like talking in this tone, but I think it's, it could be valid. Do you think anybody loses their job before we record next week, which would be on Wednesday? Somebody should. I hate calling for jobs. I am a person on the internet. Who cares? But also, if you're an organization and you know you're about to face Sean Payton off the back of getting blown out in Miami, uh, yeah, you got to change something. Because let me read you a quote I just saw. Courtney Cronin just posted a tweet saying, when asked about the Bears losing by 31 today, Justin Fields pointed to what he's learned these last few weeks. Quote, I'm looking at or I'm looking at it like the big picture. Life in general, to be honest with you. I think this past week has had me kind of look at it like what are the important things in life? Because you know when things are going good, you feel me? Not say whatever. I think these last couple of weeks have made me appreciate the little things in life, like being able to play this game. Every opportunity I get there to go out and play, I I'm going to have fun. I'm going to play my hardest and you know, just thank God for giving me me the ability to play. So no matter what the scoreboard is, I'm going to keep doing the same mindset and just pushing to keep moving forward. End quote. I don't know if you're reading that the same way I am, Nick. This sounds like a quarterback 
that knows it's over. Like this is week 15 stuff. It's crazy. I mean, it's existential, but it's also, yeah, but it's, it's, we suck. It's, it's, we suck. It's, it's over. Is that Justin Fields job is over. I don't know if he's telling me that, but that's the stuff. Those are the quotes you read. Well, well, but but also Robert, we do suck. We do suck. So just call it like it is. The quotes we're getting out of this organization are just stupid. They're ridiculous. They are laugh worthy. So if someone loses their job, who is it? I think you start with Luke Getze. Either that or they bench the quarterback first. And I don't think that they'll bench the quarterback in a common way. If only because, look, (sighs) I'm going to prognosticate something really big here, Nick. I'm going to guess with a capital G. But you're telling me that the Patriots, or not the Patriots, it's, uh, it's the Jets, lose that game to the Patriots and don't think I can barely care if he could throw it at all, to be honest with you. Like if he can come in and just like run it a little bit, we'll figure out where we can throw it and we'll win some games and we need to because all of our jobs are about to go up in flames. Like Mm -hmm. if, if this doesn't work, we are screwed. Mm -hmm. I'm just saying the jets lost such a defeating game against the Patriots today that I struggle to believe that there wouldn't be at least some interest in a move. And what what would you give him up for? Um, don't ask that question. Don't ask a question <laughs> that you don't want an answer to. Because I'm I'm really struggling to be checked in, to be honest with you. Not not in like a not in like a this is hard for me. I live and breathe the bears. But it's more like looking forward to 2024 is one of the only things that's keeping me sane at this mm-hmm. point because it is so bad. Yep. But my thought is I don't know how you bench fields. It's week three for crying yep. out loud. Like, I don't think you can. I think no, it's I too think you early. Do. You could trade him, which would be effectively benching him, or you could fire Getze. But Flus keeps backing Getze. <laughs> Flus, like, it, every chance he gets, Flus is backing Getze and making excuses for what's going on. And maybe you could say that that's what a head coach should be doing. I mean, I guess. But he keeps making it clear that he's just backing Getze. I, if it was me. You can't fire the DC. Lol. Uh, <laughs> you have to fire the coordinator. Yep. I don't think I, I looking when did Matt Rule get fired? Week seven, week nine. Uh, yeah, like nine ish. I want to say yeah. nine ish. Yeah, because Steve Wilkes took over and is like, yeah, five six games. I don't know seven. how the Bears get to there. Like, yeah, I I don't know how Matt Eberflus gets that far. Is that ridiculous? Am no, I no, being crazy? It, no, it's not in because like here's the bad thing is like last year was what it was. Like we we knew they were going to be bad. But like this year, you're worse. And like, this is not a reflection on the town. This is a reflection on the structure and the coaching. And so like, again, like I said, like, I hate saying like people need to lose their jobs, but like a change has to be made somewhere. And I know there's a history of Chicago doesn't do this, but I think Ryan Poles and Kevin Warren are built different. And Hey, if you're not going to get it done, then we'll, We'll find a way to get it done. I, at least that's what I hope those guys are. Um, yeah, and I, I mean, I hope that for Justin Fields too. But I, I have a, I have a list of candidates. I mean, I don't even nice. know. Do you, do you want to go into this or not? No, not this podcast. Okay. We'll, we'll leave it at. Uh, if there's one piece of this, Nick, that I think is also going to get really interesting. So look, you've seen a gangster movie before, I assume. So then you've probably heard that phrase. Don't. 
F word with the money. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And if there is one piece to this uh, great bears puzzle that I'm dying to know how Ryan Poles and Kevin Warren want to answer, it's um, so do you want to make change to win or are you happy accepting things the way that they are? Because this ship is listing in a really hard way, but that's good. Non-competitive NFL games might be better than unintentionally lucking your way into three fumbles and a pick and Nathan Peterman beating somebody 17 to 21. Well, that's the other thing. If if that's the goal, then maybe you don't get rid of them because you don't want to love your way into a worse pick. Right. Like maybe Richard Hightower kind of slaps. Maybe you like maybe you bring in somebody who goes, sweet, let's bring in Greg Roman. And everybody goes, Greg Roman. And I go, Greg Roman, we've gone this far. And the offense by week 13 starts to look like it's got some direction and it's enough to beat Arizona. Like, I don't, I don't know what the bears do because I can't imagine. We're just now we're like underdogs to Arizona. I mean, we are, how did it get here? We are plainly underdogs to Arizona. I don't even think there's some maybe in that. I know, but like, like, it's it. Uh, how is that possible? Terrible like it, coaching. That's the only way. Like it's people abuse coaching. Like it's this catch-all because at the end of the day, yeah, the team with Tyreek Hill and Tua Tagovailoa, the way they're playing right now, they beat Bill Belichick, and we love Bill Belichick. We think he's great, but like coaching doesn't fix literally everything. But I would argue with you, Nick, that good coaching brings you up to the NFL standard. Like good coach. Well, yeah. How how I always, and again, this is at, at you know, I mean, I, I you could talk college level, but high school level for sure. It Are there some places that like are private schools and like kids transfer so they're all in one place and they do well? Sure. But everyone knows there are public schools that have programs that win year in and year out. And then there's other programs where they just say, I just don't have the talent. And I'm like, mm. and again, I've won, uh, I've had a winning record 13 out of my 14 years as a coach, Robert. And I, so I've been, and that's a lot of different places, but you hear that stuff. And, but I'm like, no, I see, like, I feel bad for your guys because they don't have a chance. Like the bears don't have a chance and that's coaching. Yep. I think that's a perfect way to phrase it, by the way, that when your coaching staff leaves you saying, we just don't have the talent. It's because you're coaching pretty uninspired. And we've been saying that for an awfully long time in uh, Chicago and that kind of, that kind of tells you all you need to know. And so I, yeah, I, I, I only have one, one, I have one question for you and I, I have the answer to it or at least my answer to it. But cause like right now we don't have a lot of hope offensively in my knowledge of bears football lifetime. The Bears have had three, <laughs> this is so bad to say it this way. They've had three offenses that have been exciting, like good offenses in my in, in my, my lifetime. And again, I'm older than you. How many offenses can you remember that were exciting? I loved the two towers year with Cutler. That was fun. Yep. Uh, I, well, had, I mean, Mar- Martellus Bennett was nice too. Martellus Bennett was awesome. But Forte. Cutler chucking the ball up to Jeffrey and Marshall ruled yep. uh yep. 2018 wasn't good offense but it was memorable offense yeah, uh yeah. trey burton was low-key on fire <laughs> up until the moment when he suddenly disappeared into thin air uh yeah. the 
Fields 2022 season was wild. Like that middle chunk might get its own little cutout part in my Bears memory because we've been cash strapped for <laughs> for like fun offenses for long enough. Right. What about you? So I got two other ones, and this is going to be people that are like longtime Bears fans will will get these ones, and uh, maybe you will too. There was a, a time when this coordinator from LSU came up, and his name was Gary Croton, and he had the Marty Booker, um, Marcus Robinson. He ran like these wide receiver screens, and Chicago had this like a high power offense for like a year until defenses found a way to stop it. So that was cool. And then I remember I was there, Robert, in 1995. No way. For, for the high power, Eric Kramer. The season? The, the, the record? Jeff Graham. And you had, um, I think it was uh, Keith. Man, what was his uh, tight end? Keith, Trailer. Number 85. No. I mean, Raymond Harris. And Robert Green and Rashawn Salam, like that offense was cruising, man. <laughs> okay, I'll end with this because I think this is really core. This at the if if you're one of the many Brave Bears fans that I hope made it to this point in the podcast, the main reason that you're going to hear a lot of talk about number one is because in a weird twist of fate, Nick, I refuse to believe that the Chicago Bears in 2024, let alone 2025. Would be setting their offensive court or would be setting up their brand new shiny quarterback for failure. When you take a look at what the Bears have right now, so some of this, at least some of this, will depend on Braxton Jones's health going forward. But you already start before your offseason, just the moment that you pick Caleb Williams or Drake May, whoever you want to choose, you already have a right tackle in place that looks legitimately talented. He's playing better than all the other rookie tackles. We are trending well. You've got Nate Davis, who I believe, because we saw little flashes in Green Bay, once he's clear of this family situation, whatever mm -hmm. is weighing on him, I do think he will pick his play back up. We've got, sure, we've got a center in a guard hole, and that's assuming that you don't want to plan around Tevin Jenkins, which I yep. will not, purely because we haven't had a, had a lot of Tevin Jenkins. And if mm -hmm. Tevin beats whoever you bring in, maybe it's a high-paid guard, maybe it's a second-round person, then great. You've got a left tackle in Braxton Jones that's perfectly acceptable. This doesn't, this you probably didn't hear that and think, wow, what a freaking good offensive line. But you add a wide receiver one in DJ Moore. You add two really good running backs. You add a league average tight end in Cole Kmet. You add at least one decent wide receiver two option, whether that's uh, Darnell Mooney. I'm not going to say Chase's name in this. He's he's not earning it in Chicago. What about like, what about like Marvin Harrison Jr. with that? We're getting there. Uh, <laughs> like and like, or you've got a wide receiver two that you picked up from the market. I don't know. It could be freaking Alan Lazard for all I care. Like just no. a Jacoby Myers like player, right? That comes into Chicago. Most number one picks get placed in some freaking bad situations, mm -hmm. like bad, bad. And the Bears could drop him into an okay offense. Then you add Marvin Harrison Jr. You add Olu, the left tackle. Like, it gets even better. It gets even more hospitable. Yep. I think there is a real path, whether it's with Kellen Mond or Kellen Moore, whether it's with Lincoln Riley, whether it's with Ben Johnson, 
or whoever else you're looking at, I think there's a real path here to developing a superstar quarterback for the first time in Bears history because finally there are the young pieces necessary to facilitate that kind of development. All you need is like Cedric Van Prant in the second round or like a decent center if you don't know who Cedric Van Prant is. Or free agency. Or free agency. Like spend, you've got $100 million in cap. You've got two first round picks. You've got so many resources to make this team better. And that's if you don't go fire sale, add a bunch of extra picks with co- with contracts. Don't talk about players. Contracts that are expiring, like Jalen Johnson, who acquitted himself well, if you want to go that direction. Like Eddie Jackson, who I think has plenty of juice left for an NFL team that's willing to accept that they're not going to have him for all that long. Like Darnell Mooney, if he is just flat done in Chicago. Money can, Whitehair. Money can build a lot of bridges, but I would not be surprised if the bridges have burned with Mooney, given the way that the season's going, I'm just saying like yeah. no, not many players are down for a third regime. Right. Yeah. But I look at this man. I think there is legitimate reason, legitimate reason to be upbeat. Because when I see all the people that are like, well, what would the bears do differently that wouldn't ruin Caleb Williams? I'm like, well, first of all, they wouldn't hire a coach in his second year. They would hire a coach in his first year. Second, they would have an off or they would have an offensive line and a wide receiver one reasonably in place in his first season. And third, for once, the GM, head coach, quarterback timelines would probably be synced up. Like there's a lot of stability in this kind of building. And the Bears just had a draft that we're probably still pretty okay with. Tyreek Stevenson, that like Gervon Dexter, Zach Pickens, there's actually some talent there. They mm-hmm. just all needed a year. They're getting a year. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I, I, no, I agree with you because that's the thing is when you have, again, the two firsts, and then you think of, well, we have the ne- an extra second the year after too. Like there's the end, what, 90 million in cap space? Like there's a lot to be hopeful for. Um, and I realize you're building a hope for next year. There's, I mean, the hope for this year honestly, is to develop players. Like, that's the hope right now. Like, I don't care who's out there. Your job is to get better. Like, let's get these guys better. That's your job as a coach. Whether whether you're going to be here or you're not, like, that's your job. So do your job. Yep. 100%. Anything else you've got before we want to close? Um, just, just bear down, okay? Like, like Keep with your this, head up. Like, like people that like jump ship, they, whatever, like we're all bears fans. It all sucks. I, we, we, we love each other. Okay. Like bear down. Pretend I'm looking you in the eyes. You didn't jump ship after 2020. You didn't jump ship after 2021. You didn't jump ship after 2019. I know you're not out now. I know there's no way you're out now. What, what, when's the last time we had two first round picks? (laughs) <laughs> high first round picks right the bears have the bears have a not pipe dream shot at picking number one and number two nick based on what we're seeing they're, they're getting they're taking two quarterbacks robert they're deep. That, that they're gonna take both of them that way they can battle it out we're gonna Man, get it right that would suck i would actually <laughs> hate that 
that would that would be the worst. You, you imagine the chaos? Instant Caleb, quarterback Caleb controversy. They, they just look at each other. They both have the same hat on. Especially because there's like no way. Like imagine the training camp reports, right? Because there's no way for most beat reporters to properly contextualize whatever happened. So one reporter would report Drake May had a better day. And the other would report that Williams was six for seven in seven on seven. And Drake May was only three for seven in seven on seven. And then somebody else would report. uh, They would take two videos. Of course, it's just two videos. Somehow we didn't get any videos of Williams's throws, but we did see that three, two of those three completions were sweet darts by Drake May. (laughs) And, Oh my gosh. Everybody who's not there would just be stuck. (laughs) It would be people would be hashtag team Williams, hashtag team Mailey. It would be, you know, it would be hey competition, you know? And you know, there are so many people out there that talk about how quarterbacks retain value, but not not that anybody's actually suggesting this. I can't help thinking that with rookie quarterbacks, it's kind of like buying a new car. The moment you drive it off the lot, it loses most of its value. Oh, yeah. The Bears could market that number two pick for a trade-up candidate. Like somebody jumping from six or seven that jumps up, hands quite a little ransom, gets the Bears another first-round pick for next year, more than likely, so that they can take Drake May instead of J.J. McCarthy. Think like the RG3 deal, right? But we'll have to wait because we don't have number two yet. We don't have number we're one providing, yet. We're providing hope, Robert. That's the goal. I mean, it... Could be such a fun offseason. I still like Tremaine Edmonds. I tend to think that you could stick him in a lot of defensive systems and he'd look better. There are all kinds of people right now that are telling Bears fans, ooh, Nick, this could be a hot-ass take. I'm just going to warn you. But, like, there are so many people that I see that are like, how could the Bears let Roquan Smith go and replace him with talent that's nowhere near the level of Roquan Smith? And I'm like, you sons of guns never talked well about Roquan Smith until the moment he left this crappy scheme. Like, I don't disagree, but I also think that if you brought in whether it was some 3-4 god playing Fangio, because that's gone great for Denver, uh, or whether you brought in some other nuanced defensive scheme that I've never heard about yet, but I will try to learn about as soon as we hear the defensive coordinator's name, or even crazier, you go like cover zero style, like Flores. Nick Martindale, baby. Yeah, right. Like, you bring them in, and I am near certain that suddenly people are going to be talking about how good Shemaine Emmons is. Like, it is hard. To well, find players that big, that long, that fast. But honestly, like death by a thousand cuts, or honestly, just cut for zero with this and just like, okay, let's just see. Let's make them make the perfect throw. Like, you can't you can't let people just put 30 plus on you every week. Like, do <laughs> something different. Well, strap in because they're do going something to. Different. And I'll tell you what, it doesn't help anything at all. So I spent time recording the game as I was watching it, because I was going to cut a bunch of clips from social media and stuff like that. This game is going to be hard film to watch from the perspective of like even development, man. Cause it's just like, it's like watching senior bowl tape, but it's in the NFL. And so have you ever been to senior bowl? I've not. First of all, it's fun. You should come. Uh, second of all, the senior bowl prescribes the defensive calls. You're only allowed to call like three coverages, which yeah. is pretty standard for an NFL or for an all-star game. It's to try to make sure that, 
one guy doesn't like get it up. It's it's to try to make sure that a coach doesn't decide that he's about to show off his super cool scheme and just shut down the other team. Like Mm -hmm. keep all the reads pure, blah, 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 blah. The bears look like they have been given a limiting list of the coverages that they're allowed to call. And everybody else is allowed to run actual NFL schemes against them. And I am right. I am already sick and tired of it. And I could pretend like I'm three weeks in, but that's the thing, Nick, I'll close on this. We're 20 games into this. We thought they were tanking. They they meant it last year. Like, they thought they were winning games. They thought they were competing. Mm-hmm. But instead, we told ourselves to some degree that they were tanking. The front office certainly was. But that's actually not new. That happens nearly every year. And Lovey was able to keep his locker room together enough to lead one of the greatest comebacks I've ever seen uh, with the Texans against uh, the Texans against the Colts. But in so doing, Nick, I would argue that Lovey points a incriminating finger at Matt Eberflus because they do run the same scheme. And (laughs) the best bears coach of the last 30 years, Lovey Smith. (laughs) It always comes back to Lovey Smith. It does. Nick, where can folks find your work online? Uh, at underscore Nick Whalen on Twitter. I'm, I'm going to be doing some video stuff uh, and on football guys as well. Perfect. And I am Robert K. Schmitz. You can find me on Twitter at that handle. You can find me on DeBear's blog where I'll be posting my post-game thoughts tomorrow. Well, today, it's it, you're going to see this probably on Monday, more than likely. Um, but outside of that, find me on YouTube as we break down whatever Bears film we can. Might get to draft, draft stuff sooner than I expected. We are trending that way. But until mm-hmm. next time, Bears fans, bear down. Thanks so much. Bear with me.